Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. If you love all things outdoors, this podcast is for you to get out and get more out of it. Hi, and welcome to 120 Outdoors. My name is Chris DePaula. And I'm Don Klaus. It's June, so, you know, Chris and I have done some fishing, and today we're going to talk about fishing. How about it, Chris? How's how's your fishing been so far? It's, you know, it's been a good spring. I mean, um, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I didn't get out to do a whole lot of walleye fishing like I wanted to do this spring, unfortunately, but uh, I've done plenty of bass fishing. That's been good. Um, done some musky fishing and, and I've done pretty well with that so far this year. Uh, got into some decent fish and nothing real big, but that's been great too. And I know a lot of my friends, um, you know, my fishing buddies and stuff, uh, they've all had pretty good springs so far. I mean, it's been pretty decent overall for just about everybody. Yeah. You know? the, the switch flipped, you know, once, yeah. once we got over the cold. Yeah. Uh, I know you and I were out last week and had a couple of decent days, one really good day bass fishing and yeah, those were uh, enjoyable. Yeah. Got into some nice bass and uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, doing something a little different. Just uh, been a very good spring as far as uh, fishing goes. Yeah. Look forward to the rest of the, the rest spring. of summer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, we said we're going to talk about fishing and uh, today the fish of the day is catfish. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, Don. I didn't think I would be uh, be on a podcast talking about catfish. Of course, I don't fish for catfish or haven't in many, many years. And, um, and not that I, I didn't want to fish for them more. It's just I never really was interested in it, you know, in, in catfishing. And I can remember as a kid catching them and how much fun they were to catch. And um, it's just uh, what's really come obvious to you and I is how popular this has become. Yeah, and there's a lot of good reasons for it. I mean, catfishing is, is great, uh, you know, especially as like a you caught them as a kid, I did too. Yeah. As an introductory fish, they're very cooperative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be caught. Uh, I mean, if your picture of fishing is throwing a gob of worms out from the bank, you know, catfish, you got a good chance of grabbing one. Yeah. As table fare goes, Catfish is pretty good. It's uh, yeah. the ones that you can catch here are pretty good, and they're widely farmed still. I've had them at restaurants. Yeah, quite. I have good. too. I've had it too. Yeah, I've had. I've uh, have enjoyed channel catfish. You know, I've I've had. Uh, I've eaten that a couple times over the years too. It's very good. Um, you know, but our guest today just kind of teased the audience a little bit here. Our guest today is a good friend of ours. His name is uh, Mark Dietrich, and Mark is uh, a fishing guide. The name of his guide service is called uh, Trifin Charters, and he guides for walleye and catfish on Pimatuni Mosquito and, and a few other lakes. And he also spends a lot of time up on Lake Erie uh, guiding for walleye and also does um, some steelhead fishing up there on the tribs. Uh, but his specialty is, which I've never done, Don, is trophy catfish angling. Um, he's a, a has won several tournaments over the years. And he's going to come on the show today and talk about catfish, the uh, the fishing itself right now, statewide. How does it look, the outlook, right? Yeah. You know. mo- yeah, most people, they don't, uh, I'm not saying uh, uh, people look down their nose at catfish, but they're, uh, they might not be on the same, uh, treated in the same manner as other game fish. Well, I think Mark has a few things that might open some eyes on that. Well, yes, it opened my eyes on a lot of it, too. I had no idea some of the issues that they were facing, and I know you and I fully support them. 
in their fight with this. Absolutely. And, yep, absolutely. And um, I, I think it's interesting to hear how they're kind of self-governing themselves. I mean, there's not a lot of regulation in a lot of places, but they have got together as a group and have um, done a great job, I guess you could say, regulating themselves within their own groups, which I, I think is um, is tremendous. Yeah. But you don't have to take our word for it. You can, yeah. you can take it right from Mark. So Yeah. Do you just want to jump in and, to Mark? Let's get show? to him. He's, okay. the, he's the cat man. Okay, folks, here we go. Our next guest, as I mentioned, is Mark Dietrich. Okay, our next guest on 120 Outdoors is our good friend Mark Dietrich. And Mark is the owner-operator of Trifin Charters on Pima Tuning Mosquito and Lake Erie. That's for walleye, um, catfish, and he also does some steelhead fishing in the Tribs, where I actually met Mark. On top of all that, when he has nothing else going on, he's a professional catfish angler and has uh, fished all over the, the, uh, the northeast and the southeast for catfish. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes, welcome, Mark. Thank now, you, thank you. Now, uh, we know that catfish angling has some level of popularity in Ohio. You want to expound on that for us? Yeah. Um, over the last several years, it's grown very fast. Uh, you know, it's passed up walleye fishing. It's uh, currently third behind bass and panfish, which they're saying it's projected to pass up pan fishing in the near future. Um, the popularity has been huge, growing everywhere you go. You see it. Um, the size of the tournaments that we have, the payouts of these tournaments, and added money that's being put in by sponsors and folks' boats, and just the increase everywhere is uh, it, it's showing and it's coming. It's going to be overtaking some of the species soon, and and I'm glad to see everyone getting interested about it you know what was interesting mark uh, when we were prepping for this show um i did some some looking at some statistics and in ohio here i mean i was shocked they said that up to 33 percent of the licensed anglers in ohio pursue catfish and uh, yeah. i mean when don and i looked at those numbers we is that right i mean uh apparently it is i mean you're basically confirming what we've we've found yeah yeah I mean, those numbers are very true. I mean, just on our local lakes, like Pima Tuning, for example, um, you know, these catfish tournaments here are generating more anglers and higher payouts than the walleye tournaments are. Um, 2017, we had our first tournament here at Pima Tuning, which uh, me and a good friend of mine, Jason Heimbaugh, put together. Um, first tournament came out. Didn't really know what to expect. We started a group called the Northeast Catfish Addicts. Um, few facebook posts and a couple ads here and there and we had 50 50 bucks show up for a first tournament um so we saw you know there's a lot of catfish anglers around and we didn't really know that we didn't know what we, what to expect exactly and since 2017 it's just grown in popularity and the amount of people new people um people have got super serious about it there's a lot of really good catfish anglers local anglers here locally in the northeast ohio northwest pennsylvania area um not just fishing locally but traveling the country and and having success on uh, foreign bodies of water jeez i know recently you just fished a tournament was that down on the ohio river mark yes that was out of gallipolis ohio that was the ohio river catfish series it was a sponsored event by g3 boats mm -hmm. um, yeah that was a great tournament down there a lot of flatheads a lot of blue cats 
Uh, not the finish I was hoping for. We did finish fourth place, but no, the, quality ang- the quality of the anglers down there, I'll take a fourth place. Uh, the top three teams were all local, very well-known, good anglers, so I'm not totally upset with that on some foreign water. No, and you got a check to bring home, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, free trips are nice. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. Especially the price of gas right now. That's for sure. And Mark, <laughs> how many guys were fishing that tournament? Just to give Don and I an idea and, and our listeners. Well, how many? Oh, uh, that one there. That one there was a forty-two boat tournament. Okay. Uh, that's uh, that's a big stretch of river. I believe it was you know three different. Now uh, you could go up the Ohio, down the Ohio, or all the way up the Kanawha River in the West Virginia. There was roughly 70 miles of fishable river for that tournament. So wow. 42, 42 boats, it was pretty nice because there was not a lot of pressure in, uh, you know, singular areas. Everybody was pretty spread out looking at different stuff. So that was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah some wow. of these tournaments down on the Mississippi River and whatnot, we have over 100 boats. Jeez. And, uh, boy, you, it's it's tough sometimes, just like in them walleye tournaments with a lot of anglers in one, one body of water. So... You know, what's what's interesting? How about the local lakes? Like I know there's a a tournament trail on Pima Tuning, correct? It's that you have a number of tournaments each year there. Uh, yep. What's the average turnout there? I mean, number of anglers. Well, you know, you'll see maybe maybe three or four shore teams show up, and you'll have thirty to forty boats at each one. Wow. Um, kind of fluctuates depending on the weather. You know. Yeah. Those early spring tournaments it's still in the 30s and 40s at night and uh you won't get the show you won't get the uh, turnout you will in those late summer tournaments <laughs> right right uh, for sure can i can understand that now with the tournaments um you know obviously a lot of fish are caught and uh, and and weighed uh what tell us about uh, the protections that that are involved with keeping those oh. cats What's very neat about the catfishing industry in the tournament world uh, is the care these guys put into the fish. Um, every one of these boats um, have to have a good functional live well. Uh, most of the serious guys, we've put 80 to 100-gallon live wells on our boats. Um, these live wells are aerated, filtrated, pure oxygen systems. Um, these fish have to be 100% alive at weigh-in. And if your fish do not swim away in the lake healthy after weigh-in, you're automatically disqualified. Holy smoke. Yep, so you have to keep the fish healthy, you have to keep the fish alive, and that's our number one goal. I like to hear that. That's great. I'm not a big fan of some of these kill tournaments. No. And the walleye and bass guys have. It's uh, it's it's kind of rough. and uh, You know, it puts that bad tournament taste in your mouth, so to speak. It but, does. Uh, I really love the, the impact a lot of these serious catfish guys have had on the whole, uh, whole tournament scene. And, you know, they've shed a lot of light on how important it is to keep these big old fish healthy. I honestly didn't know that. I was looking at the tournament rules on there, and I, I, I read on there, I mentioned it to Dawn, that they everything has to be brought to the scales alive. You have to have a live well, and they check your boat and everything else before the tournament. Yeah, I, had no, I had no idea you guys had those kind of strict regulations. Um, oh, yeah. I, I love to see it. I love to see it. Yeah. That's nice. What kind of age yeah. uh, are we talking about? Uh, what's an old cat? Well, in our area, you know, local lakes, Pimatuning Mosquito, a 50-pound cat. It could be anywhere from 20, 25 years old, you know. Jeez. Up stretches of the Ohio River, that fish could be 40 years old. Um, you know, certain fish are never going to reach maximum maturity in, in a big weight. 
there's been studies done a lot of these fish 20 inches long you know smaller flatheads and they're 30 years old they just they just uh poor genetics and genetic makeup just wasn't meant for them to be a big fish and that's why it's so important for these big trophy fish to be released and and taken care of is because those are the big breeders those are the good genetics and those bigger fish have to be kept healthy and alive and able to spawn year after year to keep having big fish you know that's crazy. Now, what are we talking locally here, northeast Ohio, northwest Pennsylvania? As far what is a big fish? I mean, fifty pounds well, for Dawn and I—that's big anything. Well, we'll start. We'll, we'll start with what I call small. Okay. Um, well, channel cats in our area, a good fish is ten to fifteen pounds, but we will see them around twenty. Jeez. Uh, Lake Erie waters, we'll see them up to close to thirty pounds and a little over. Channel catfish. Yep. yep. And uh, uh, flatheads, the bread and butter, them, uh, our biggest out of mosquito was close to 70 pounds, several in the high 60s. Oy, oy. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a big, don't go swimming at the beach with a small child. <laughs> no, you have to, you have to see Don over here. He's doing curls. Uh, He's doing curls yeah. now <laughs> to get back now, in shape. Time tuning lake is very interesting body of water. Um, you know, Pennsylvania state record's only 56 pounds. And I've had clients land fish over 50 pounds within just two, three pounds of the current Pennsylvania state record. Wow. Knocking on the door. Jeez. And we're right there. And I'm, hopefully the next time we talk, uh, I've put the PA state record in the boat out of Pimatuni Reservoir. <laughs> I hope you do, Mark. My money's on you. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, I know you are. <laughs> I know. Well, it sounds like uh, catch and release then is obviously a big deal. Uh, fish that live that long n- need to keep Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Uh, oh, 100%. So uh, are there any other concerns in the catfish world? Um, you know, I know beyond catch and release, uh, other things that, that threaten the population. Yeah, that we're not aware of. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you the mortality of the catfish from the catfish anglers themselves is very low. Um as far as keeping them for table fare and whatnot. But the biggest issue in catfishing right now and our biggest concern for the catfish species is the issue right now with pay lakes and commercial fishing. Ohio has a lot of pay lakes. One of the biggest is Paradise Lakes in southern Ohio, which is right on the Ohio River. Um, The southern stretches of the Ohio River when you're getting towards Kentucky, Indiana, and now it's creeping up further and further north, what's happening is these commercial guys and just your average drill fishermen are taking these trophy big catfish, 50 to 100-pound fish, and they are selling them to these pay lakes in Ohio and other states. And basically they're getting $5 a pound for these fish to sell them to these pay lakes where they're being put in a pond with no food, barely any oxygen, and sentenced to a permanent death. Um, it's 100% mortality. These fish cannot survive in there. They're being juiced, which is a form of liquid they put in the lake, and it causes the fish to have to, like, feed. Sure. These fish have sores all over them, and they just look terrible. It's it's not a, a, a way for the fish to survive at all. It's 100% mortality. And it, it's a big issue right now. And is it, is it an issue that our state agencies are, are looking at attacking in any way? 
we've reached out. We've we've tried to talk to the right people. There's been a lot of different um, associations popping up that are helping, like the ACA, the American Catfish Association, um, trying to get a voice for us anglers, you know, and someone to speak. Um, there's uh, there's plenty of people saying things and very few people trying to do things at the moment. Um, it's not good. And uh, the problem, one of the major problems that have me worried more than anything right now is how some of these stretches of the river down south are getting totally stripped of these trophy class fish um, to the point where tournaments aren't even having tournaments in those bodies of water anymore. And we're talking big tournaments for big money, up to $50,000. So, so and, this practice then, it takes place in other parts of the country then as well, too, then it sounds like. Yeah. It's hitting harder in the Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky region. Um, it's it's just Kentucky absolutely does not seem to care about the catfish. Um, at least Ohio has some regulations on on the catfish where you're only allowed one channel over 28 inches a day and one flathead over 35 inches a day. So at least Ohio has some type of regulation. Pennsylvania currently has no regulations on catfish size um that's something that needs to happen pima tuning lake has zero regulations on catfish currently um mosquito lake luckily does you know one flathead over 35 and the one channel over 28 which is nice yeah but this this pay lake issue uh with this areas of the river down there getting depleted these guys are starting to come further and further north looking for more trophy class fish and uh to rob you know Mm -hmm. they're going to start refilling these pay lakes with our local fish here eventually if they keep running the river out of the resource that's crazy you know i i noticed i um i did some research on this too i found an article back 2012 where they talk about operation mudcat you know with the odnr did an investigation took several years but they did arrest 45 people from 13 different counties but it looks like, or from what you're saying, Mark, this practice continues to go on. Yeah, it continues, and it's going to continue, it appears, until the right eyes get opened. Um, you know, I just wish everybody would grasp the importance of this issue. Um, you know, a way I like to explain it to local guys and get them to understand. Imagine there's a 10-acre pay lake in Trumbull County, and all these bass from Pima Tuning and Mosquito Lake, trophy-sized bass, are being taken from our public waters, sold to this pay lake, and we're just depleting our resource while all these fish are sentenced to a permanent death in this little pay pond. It's uh, it's something we need to really be worried about, not just catfish anglers. We need everyone to kind of come together and, and help this cause. Oh, I agree. Uh, it's ridiculous. It just sounds criminal. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. It's, it's, just, it's not right. It, it's barbaric. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I don't get it. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. So while we're in the bad news, is there any other any yeah. other stuff? Yeah. We're in the bad news segment like, here. Yeah. <laughs> like I know uh, I know there's there's uh commercial fishing and and uh and trot lines. Um Yeah. yeah. There's another sore subject there. Yeah, jugging or whatever they call it now. Is it Yeah. Jugging is something that's terrible and it's allowed in Ohio. Um it is legal. 50 jugs per person. Jeez. Basically, a guy could go to, say, Mosquito Reservoir, Mosquito, and put out 50 jugs, 50 baits, 50 hooks, 
and let them float around half the night as long as they're quote unquote tending them. And you know, you're only allowed one fly at over 35 inches in a night, in a day. So if you got 50 hooks and 50 baits out there, how do you ensure you're only catching one eagle size fish? And how are you ensuring you're not gut hooking or causing mortality to more than one legal fish using 50 hooks and lines? Yeah, that's just a recipe. Kind of an unreal behind the times method of fishing to still be legal in the state of Ohio. Yeah, I didn't realize it still was. I I didn't think that was still the law. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating if you go to Mosquito on an evening, especially Mm -hmm. on the north end of the lake. Mm -hmm. It's almost like playing dodgems out there trying to avoid all these jugs floating around. Jeez. Oh, you know, tangled up in your prop and this and that. They're not lit or nothing, you know. It's uh, it's another issue. Uh, and the whole circle hook uh, to catch them in the mouth, uh, that's out the window with that jug business. Well, that jug business, I would very, very much doubt the effectiveness of the circle hook in that position. Yeah, that's not doing that. It's all gut hooked at that point. You would think so, yes, sir. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Is there anything else, Don? You wanted to? Well, I pour on some more bad news. No, is there well, any anything else? I'm no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Well, I, I, uh, here's a curiosity I have. I know, uh, I, I've seen this on TV. This catfish noodling. Yes. And I, I know you can't do it in Ohio, but you have any comments on on that? Well, oh. seems, I, I'm going to say the word crazy. It seems crazy. I, I was going to say another word, but I'm glad you said crazy. <laughs> Beyond crazy, I have a few words to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, a lot of people think, you know, noodling looks cool, you know? Kind of a fun thing to see or, you know, possibly do it. But to understand what's happening when you are noodling is a whole other thing. I mean, when you're noodling a catfish, especially during the spawn and that time of year when they really target them noodling in these boxes and spawn boxes they create, and they actually make structures to do this in. What you're doing is you're luring a female in there to lay her eggs, and then a male will, will be guarding the nest. So you pull that that fish off of that nest. Um, there's a couple hundred thousand eggs. Um, they're either eggs or now fry, and you're basically going to pull that fish out of that box. You could have just killed 200,000 young. Now, Jeez. I don't know about you, but if I'm a big male catfish in a box guarding my fry... And I get yanked out of this box by some funny-looking guy. I'm probably not going to go back in there. No, I was just going to say I'm leaving. Yeah. I, it, so basically, by doing this noodling, um, it's. I mean, you noodle one fish, you could have just caused mortality of two hundred thousand. Jeez. It's not a good thing. It's not something that's very interesting to me. But I, you got to understand the positives and negatives to everything there. Okay. Well, that, that's not legal in Ohio, right? Correct. 100% not legal in Ohio. Okay. Or or PA, too? Yes, you're correct. Oh, good. Well, hey, we can't fix everything, but I'm, no, glad, I'm yeah. glad they at least have that. Sounds like there's I'll, a lot more. If I'm, ha- I'm happy that, Pens- that Pennsylvania has done some things. Um, Pennsylvania actually allows bow fishing of catfish. Really? In Ohio, the catfish is 100% illegal to bow fish. I don't understand why it, uh, being one of the number top three most popular game fish in, in the country, how it is legal to jug, noodle, bowfish, and sell to pay lakes for profit. Oh, I agree with you, Mark. Sounds Unreal. like a, 
A lot. Yeah. Of, it is. A lot of things need fixed there. It, it does. It certainly does. It's crazy. Well, well, at least we know. That's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, we're at a turning point right now. The next several years are going to determine how it goes. I, I could see that, Mark. I, I really can. The next five to ten years, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's cr- criminal to take it out a, a, a big old I'm fish. I'm just worried about them coming up here to our areas and, and you know knowing what we have for our resource and running out of their resource. Well, especially you know. at Pima Tuning where there's no limit. Oh, yeah. A guy could fill up the whole back of his truck if he wanted to. I mean, seriously. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they got to fix that. They have to. I got started on catfishing. Good friend of mine, Jason Heimbaugh, got me to go with him. Um, I hooked my first big catfish, and it changed my life, you know. it. Uh, there's nothing like it. I, I explain it to people as shooting a big buck and getting buck fever the first time you hold a real big catfish. Well, yeah. It's, it's it's unreal. You you feel that feeling and you have that kind of respect for this fish to where it almost transforms your whole life. And uh, to see the way people are treating the species, it's uh, it's really frustrating. I could see that. Well, hopefully we can get some of those fixed. Well, enough of the, the downer stuff. How about catching them? Let's get to the, the catching now. Awesome. All right, yeah, well, we're going to start. Let's talk spring first. Um, you know, early March, we're not really targeting flatheads yet in our area because the water's too cold yet, waiting for that 50-degree water mark for when the flatheads get real active. So we target channel cats early, you know, in March. And to target them channel cats, basically, you're looking for nice, the warmest water in the lake. Um, you know, maybe you just had a warm rain. And, and a creek's pumping warm water or just a general warm, shallow, sunny area that's warmed up quicker than the rest of the lake. And you're going to find a lot of channels in that area. Um, if you're looking for eater-sized fish, some of the store-bought baits will work fine and chicken livers and, and all that type of stuff, you know, just for your 15 to 24-inch fish for table fare. Um, but if we're going to look for trophy-sized channels, you got to have good, fresh bait. Um, live bait. We're looking for shad using cast nets, which is legal in Ohio. Um, some bodies of water in Pennsylvania, you do need to get a permit to, you know, use the use the cast net. You get fresh shad with that cast net. You fish it in that shallow, warm water, and you're going to catch a ton of big channels. Um, Carolina rigs are good. Double hook Kentucky rigs. Kentucky hit, Kentucky rig with single hook. Um, float rigs, bobber rigs. I mean, you know, generally all the circle hooks is everything we use all the time. And, uh, that's probably the best way to target those big channels early in the spring. And, uh, we move into April and May and the water starts warming up and those fish are just basically looking for food at that point. Those big channels, the flatheads are also starting to wake up, um, you can kind of find both of them in the same types of areas at this point when you get into April and May. Um, you usually find significant um, leftover weed growth, um, lily pads and stuff like that. Just thick cover, basically. Um, reason being is you're going to have a lot of bait around that thick cover. And right now they're coming off of a hard winter and they just want to fatten up and eat good. And the water's got them fired up, feeling it warm up. So fishing around all that thick cover is great. Um, 
sometimes we don't even necessarily just anchor fish for them. Once that water gets over 50, they're a lot more active. And a lot of people don't realize this about catfishing, but, you know, there's more than one way to do it. There's tons and tons of ways. Um, we like to drag using planer boards, basically trolling. Um, you're using basically like a bottom walker sinker. We call them dragging sticks, dragging weights. And you basically work the boat along 0.4 to 0.7 mile an hour, very slow. Just like walleye fishing, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'll run, you know, how many guys you got on the boat, we might run up to 8 or 10 rods. Mm -hmm. And we'll drag around those perimeters of that thick, heavy cover. And basically using the bottom walker technique, like I said, about a two-foot leader with a, you know, styrofoam peg float about five to six inches from the circle hook with a fresh cut shad, sucker, creek chub. You know, we use that as cut bait when we're dragging. And uh, it just gets a lot of scent out, and uh, the fish track it right down. And it's a, it's a killer technique to put a lot of fish in the boat very fast and a lot of really big quality fish. I absolutely notice... I catch a lot more of my biggest channel cat when I'm dragging baits rather than anchor fishing. Huh. It's almost like it's uh, more of a chase down or a reaction strike once they get the first initial scent. You know, and as you know, catfish don't predominantly feed off of sight. It's it's all about scent and right. vibration. Um, right. And all that going on, making all that extra noise, it really triggers an instinct in those fish to track that bait down and. When they hit it, they don't play around. They really lay that rod over. It's a good time. Yeah, I've I've gotten a catfish on artificials, and they can slam it just as like oh, any yeah. game fish would. Yeah. Yeah, you'll think you got on the state record walleye there for a minute. Yeah, it's the truth. That's happened to me, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. They fight kind of similar at first with the head shakes and whatnot, but once you get into them bigger catfish, they dog and dig, and uh, it's a totally different battle. <laughs> Especially on light equipment, which we don't normally use, <laughs> luckily. Yeah, you yeah. you uh, bring the equipment to play, huh? Right, right. <laughs> now, so we get into you know later in the year, um, you know pre spawn and after post spawn, and that water is warm. Mm-hmm. The fish are very aggressive. You know, you can get away with a lot of big live baits. Um, I've caught flatheads upwards of sixty eight, sixty nine pounds using bullhead catfish that are two to three pounds as bait oh that's a big old bait (laughs) and we thought we thought a muskie was eating big baits (laughs) yeah you know it's wild you get that 60 70 pound fish to the boat and it's got a three pound bait in its mouth and you realize it could have ate six or seven more with one bite there (laughs) there's plenty more room that big mouth so there's really no bait too big when it comes to fall in my opinion um, those fish are fattening up for winter. They know what's coming. And like I said, those flatheads from between the water temps of 50 and 50, you know, so we're talking late October till early to mid-March. Those flatheads are pretty dormant. They're not doing a lot. They're not eating much. Hmm. And so those fall months, you can you can get away with some mistakes, and you can run some giant baits, and you can have some good nights catching giant fish, absolutely. Now, with the flatheads, I don't have any much luck dragging baits like I do with the big channel cats. Um, those flatheads are predominantly just hunting down bigger baits, and you will catch them on fresh cut bait in the lakes occasionally. Uh, in the river systems, 
the flatheads seem to almost choose cut bait better, but I 100% attribute that to the scent trail it's causing with current. Yeah, with yeah. Cut bait. Where in the lakes, a live bait gives off vibration. So you're kind of picking one of the senses that, that'll work best to target that fish there. So you're talking, how late in the fall can you target? Now, you mentioned uh, the channel cats, I'm assuming, right? We're talking going into October. And uh, you can fish for channel cats year-round. I you, mean, they're pretty active year-round. Okay. Even through the ice. We target catfish through the ice. I, no kidding. Because I've actually I've uh, heard people catching them by accident. Here, they didn't realize they were actually active, I guess. Yeah, I've never seen yeah, that. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not at their peak, but the channel cats don't uh, slow themselves down quite like a flathead does. Interesting. Um, now, blue cats are starting to come to be... There is a program going on where they're going to be stocked in the Pittsburgh area in the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. And we also have them in Hoover Reservoir down around Columbus. Mm-hmm. They were implemented there several years ago. And the blue cat is a 12-month-out-of-the-year feeding frenzy fish. It's a, it's a great fish to have because there's no uh, there's no lull. I mean, there's times of the year where they, are, they eat more and a lot more active, but that's just a great fish for 12 months out of the year. So I'm really happy we're going to start seeing that fish locally in the near future because that's just more species to target. Right. Is that fish native to Ohio? The blue cat? Um, the Ohio River. The Ohio River, okay. So it, it was present then in in the area you're speaking yeah. to. Yes, yeah. Interesting. Now, some of the reservoirs and lakes in Ohio they've stocked and have talked about stocking is because of, of positive impacts the fish can have. Um, you know, if there's a lake with zebra mussel issues, the blue cat is one of the best options to absolutely destroy the zebra mussel population. They they just tear them up. They love them. They it's a it, so there's there's a lot of positive impacts if if there's uh, being introduced into certain bodies of water. And those things get huge, don't they? Oh yeah, blue catfish can reach over 100 pounds. Holy smoke! Uh, I believe the largest on record was just over 140 pounds. Um, and that uh, that was caught out of Kerr Lake, I believe, down Kentucky Virginia area. Some giant blue cat. Yeah, I think Kerr Reservoir is in Virginia, Kentucky border there, yeah. I know yeah. that's one I've seen people put oh, that's nothing but huge. fish in their arms, bigger fish than well, I could hold. We do a lot of traveling in the wintertime when, like I said, the catfishing around here is pretty slow. Um, so in the wintertime, we'll head down to Virginia, and we'll fish some of the tidal rivers and out of Chesapeake Bay. And uh, the blue cats down there are phenomenal all winter long, but in December and January. Um, our best trip down there in a three-day period, I believe it was, we put, I think, 11 fish over 50 pounds in the boat. Unbelievable. It's <laughs> a lot of fish. It was, uh, you know, and one of them was 80 pounds. Mark, you don't even have to work out with your fish for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear that in some of the YouTube videos we do. <laughs> some guy goes to the gym today just after fighting one. <laughs> now... With some of those weights you're talking about, and in particular the bait, uh, the th- the three pound bait, uh, not everybody has uh, the gear to to deal with that. What yeah? What kind of gear would you suggest if somebody wants to try and think about getting a big one? You can you can go to Walmart and get a fishing pole and some circle hooks and 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 go catfishing, you know. But 
if you want to get serious and target trophy sized fish and you don't want to have any room for air, just like anything else, um, there's a lot of catfish specific uh, suppliers out there and companies. Um, one of my great sponsors, Anvil Rods, makes, in my opinion, the best catfish rod and rod in general I've ever put in my hands. Um, nice, nice rods. Eight to seven foot six graphite rod. Um, this thing you can you can pick up a five gallon bucket full of water, just deadlift it. It's a wow. It's a strong rod. It can you can turn that fish on a dime. And it's very important to have, you know. Um, you're talking, if you get a fish around close to an anchor rope or if you're in heavy current, you got to turn that fish and get them away from structure. You know, you got to have something capable. You know, a lot of guys out there have probably hooked 50 and 60 pound flatheads locally fishing for walleye or bass and thought they had a snag just because you can't move it. Yeah. Yep. Never it's got the seal. Yeah. I've caught several flatheads trolling for walleyes with lead core and palm tuning and mosquito. I feel like a lot of guys just pop their line and think it's a snack. Yeah. Really, it's it's hard to move them, and, you know, you're not going to without the right equipment. Yeah. Did I miss you talk about the line and everything? Are you using Power Pro, a Super Braid, and Mono, or how? how... Well, it depends on the technique, you know. Um, Locally around here, when I'm dragging baits or anchor fishing, um, I'm using 50-pound slime line as my main line. Mm-hmm. And I use I use an eighty pound leader. Um, if I'm channel cat fishing, I'll scale down to thirty or forty pound. It's not really necessary, but if you're channel cat fishing, that's not to say you're not going to hook a big flathead. So you want to be prepared just in case. Um, but my my basic rig is fifty pound mainline on a pen fathom reel. Okay. And, and then that's the leader's eighty pound monofilament and. Uh, Anywhere from a five aught hook up to an eleven aught circle hook, depending on you know what fish or what bait I'm running and the size of the bait. Okay, all right. That answers that question. That's good. And I'll tell you this though: I mean, braid's not out of the question because if you go to the river systems, we use a technique called bumping, um, which is where you basically nose the boat into the current, use a cannonball sinker, you use the boat and the electric motor to cut the current in half. Um, say the flow in the Mississippi River. I was just down there in Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas. You know, you, you got flow of five miles an hour. So we're cutting the current in half with the electric motor to two and a half miles an hour. We're allowing the boat to drift with the bow up current down the river, mm-hmm. working current seams and ledges. And what you're doing is using that cannonball sinker rigged as a three-way and a longer leader with your big piece of cut bait. And as the boat's going down the river, you're constantly working the rod up, down, up, down, keeping contact with bottom with that sinker as your bait's flowing down the river at the speed of your vessel. Wow. And you have to have braided line there in that situation because you'll never feel contact with bottom with mono and that kind of current. So right, right. There's a lot of, you know, and, and if I'm using spinning reels and using big, uh, we use pool noodles with glow sticks for bobbers. <laughs> um, reason being, one, it's easy to see, um, and two, it takes a lot to hold a three-pound bait afloat. Yeah, you know, sure. it's a nice way to cover some water and let that bait swim around. And I'll use braid in those situations using a slip float technique as well. Very good. Now, 
one of the reasons I will use Braden in that situation over mono is the mono tends to kind of get down in the water and you don't get a good direct hook set or hookup. Where the braid kind of peels the water easy and that heavy 80 pound braid will kind of lay on surface real nice and it, it just works a lot better over mono in that situation. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground on the, the fishing. Tell us a, a little bit about your, um, you know, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, how they might do that. And... Well, they can go directly uh, and call 440-228-5744. Um, my Facebook page for Trifin Charters. They can uh, contact me on message through there. Scroll some pictures, maybe get an idea what style of trip they'd like to do. Um, either way works for me. Shoot me a message directly on my uh, profile on Facebook, and we can uh, try to set up the trip of a lifetime for whoever would like to go. I think it just might be with the it sounds like some it. of that poundage Holy you're talking smoke. about. <laughs> Very good, Mark. Seriously, uh, we, we, we loved having you on the show here uh, this evening. We appreciate your time. Uh, what a great guest. That's, I'll a, tell you. that's a fascinating it subject, is. too. It is. Just uh, the things we learned tonight, Mark, seriously. <laughs> I love good, it. I have to think uh, that our, uh, our state agencies have to love that, too, because catfish are just about any body of water you can think yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we need to protect them. Going for they're growing fast. They're everywhere, and you know, like we said, the popularity is increasing and increasing. And hopefully, eyeballs will start to open at certain subjects. Well, I I know Chris's and mine are certainly open. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, Mark. Well, I'll show you some of them pictures and whatnot, like you said. And please, we'll uh, take care of that and. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that would be great. Very good, Mark. Thank you. We'll see you. Have a good evening, guys. You too. Yep, you Thanks, too. buddy. Well, as we mentioned, there were some things we didn't know about catfish and catfishing, and hopefully now you know a few more things that we now know, too. Yeah, I thought it was a, a really interesting podcast. I appreciate Mark taking time out of his schedule to come on. Um, and as I mentioned in the introduction, um, I had no idea the issues they were involved that were involved in this in uh, – I'm not going to go over it again, but it is ridiculous, some of the things. I also, what really caught me way off guard, Don, and you and I did the research on this, I had no idea how popular catfish angling was in the state of Ohio, let alone across the country. And it it just makes makes sense because they're everywhere. That's true. And I got to think fisheries managers love them because, you know, they kind of take care of themselves. Yeah. But, you know, one thing we did learn Oh, those big cats, you know, they can only take care of themselves so much. Uh, they need some help on that. So I hope they get that. Yeah. Well, it's just like any big fish. They have to be protected to some point. Yeah. And I really like, believe that. Like any big fish, it takes time. And so when you lose all that time, you lose a lot. I agree. So that's, uh, it's uh, super impressive, the protections that they've imposed upon themselves to, to take care of the fish. Hopefully they can get support. Uh, with the rules to to advance their cause in that world yeah and you know what uh, i'm gonna challenge you and i i, I want to go out and do some catfishing this year oh uh, you and i and maybe we'll take mark up on his offer and we can go out there with them some evening and get into a couple of those big cats because i honestly can say i i fooled around with him when i was a kid i've never even thought about fishing for him since 
What's so, the biggest? What's the biggest cat you've caught? Oh, I don't. Maybe a five pound channel cat. I, you know, I think I did catch one musky fishing. Believe it or not, I think was the biggest one I caught. It actually hit a musky lure. Yeah, and it was maybe five or six pounds, I guess. Yeah, I caught one probably in that same range when I was walleye fishing. Yeah, and you know what? They they put up oh, a great geez. fight. They, they do. They yeah, do. They're impressive. And the ones Mark's catching are crazy big. You well, know. yeah, that's a world I haven't Jeez. experienced either. Yeah. So uh, that that would be something. So let's put that on our to-do list the rest of the summer here. Yeah, How's get, that sound? get one that uh, that makes us groan yeah. when we try to lift yeah. it. I'll tell you, folks, if you have a chance, check out our Facebook page because you're going to see some pictures Mark sent me uh, to put on the Facebook page to tie in with this podcast. There, and, and how about it, Don? They're just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it's it's just. You know, if if you've ever fished our local waters in our 120 mosquito reservoir and pima tuning reservoir, to see the fish that can come out of them, it'll make you say, "Wow!" Yeah, I don't know if I want to go to the beach anymore. Well, yeah, a 50 pound <laughs> shovelhead. You know, he's he's got a couple of pictures of 50 pound shovelhead out of pima tuning. I mean, it it looks like it's you know four foot long and 50 pounds. You know, it's a monster. Yeah, they're true monsters. Yeah, it really is. It's it's pretty cool to see that. So check out the pictures if you can our Facebook page, 120 Outdoors Podcast. And uh, you'll see the link to the show along with the pictures. I think you'll enjoy that. Well, hey, they're plentiful. So uh, if you want an interesting uh, and uh, exciting fish to, to catch, think about catfish. Yeah, something different. So do you have anything else you want to add, Don? Not today. Nah. Okay, well, very good, folks. Uh, hopefully... Uh, you get out there and enjoy the great outdoors and uh, do something in your 120. We'll talk to you next month.